we define ourselves as a nation of and immigrants. Each new wave of immigrants. Striving, hopeful immigrants. Illegal immigrants. Legal immigrants. Legal immigrants. Enrich our nation. Have risked everything to come here. Meaningful immigration reform. Immigrants. Millions of immigrants. Immigrants. Melting Great pot. nation of immigrants. Welcome to Be The Legal, the podcast that explores the lives of legal immigrants in America today. I'm your host Ananya and it's great to have you. My guest today is Sumit. He's young, he'd say tech-savvy, I'd say geeky, ambitious but otherwise chilled out, enjoys traveling and podcasts, you get the picture, right? He's everything you'd expect from the Silicon Valley millennial. I'm yet to ask him if he likes avocado toast. Hmm, maybe I will. I asked Sumit to this interview because to me, he's just a contradiction in some ways. He's plowing through the legal immigration system in the US right now, and he's taken on this additional uncertainty of working for a startup. He brings to us the unique experience of someone who by all counts should be seeking every shred of precious certainty he can get, but he's chosen differently. Let's find out why. A quick note in case you're joining me directly in episode 2. I really do recommend you start with episode 1 and go in order. And with that out of the way, let's start the interview. Yeah, Nanaya, thank you for hanging me on the show today and a very good morning to you. Thank you. So, I want to jump right into asking you, what is your immigrant story? How did you come to choose the US and where are you at today? Could you give us like a brief overview? I think it was in line with how most immigrants end up here, uh, which is, you know, you you go to an engineering college in India and then, you know, you want to make more money and, you know, just grow your career. Uh, that's kind of what I was looking for as well. I was a little bit lucky, I guess, uh, that while I was still in my undergrad, I had a chance to come here and figure out that, you know, there are actually knowledge gaps as well that I need to fulfill. Uh, that's basically what brought me here. Uh, I you know, went to grad school uh, somewhere in California. And after that, you know, worked for a couple of uh, years, maybe three years in bigger companies. And uh, for the past couple of years, I've been working for, you know, what qualifies as your typical Bay Area startup. Like we went from uh, less than five people to currently we're at 35. So yeah, that's that's basically in a gist what my life looks like. I wanted to know, to what extent do you think immigration has influenced the decisions that you've made this far and brought you to where you're at today? What role has immigration played, do you think? I think, uh, you know, having lived here for a few years, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's not very often that you think about uh, immigration uh, consciously, but, uh, you know, immigration affects and decisions uh, that are based on your immigration status pretty much affect every decision that you make. At least in my case, that has been happening. For instance, uh, a few years ago, I was working for uh, one of the tech giants and I was freshly out of school and I didn't have an H-1B. So I was basically on an F-1 OPT at that time. I missed the first lottery uh, while I was still in school and I missed the second one, which was my first year outside of school. And uh, that means I just had one turn and I was in the city which had really bad uh, public transportation which means I had to buy a car. This seemingly uh, small decision, like this is something that people, you know, it's their first car, they buy the thing that they can afford and the one, and the thing that they want. But in my case, immigration played a role because I didn't know 
if I was going to be here in the next few months or not. But I did absolutely need a car because it was impossible to just go to work and come back home otherwise. So this is just an example. And it also plays another, like, for another bigger example maybe would be the fact that uh, when I moved to work at this startup, it was right around the time that Donald Trump was announced as the next incoming president, as the president-elect. And uh, nobody saw that coming. Like, I was thinking that maybe, you know, it'll be Democrats that come to power this time and, you know, immigration would not be something that we'll have to worry about as much. But not only was it a much more harder decision to, you know, jump into a startup, some, some company that is not in every other country in the world, uh, but also currently on an everyday basis, since the tech industry is mostly made up of immigrants, it makes hiring difficult for us. So, yeah, these are examples of, like, things... Like these are ways in which like, even if I'm not thinking about immigration consciously, it affects pretty much everything we do. I want to take a minute here to break down this whole winning the lottery thing that Sumit's talking about. He's referring to the process by which 85,000 limited term work visas are allotted every year by the United States. Since 2012, these visas have been massively oversubscribed. And so, they're now allotted by what's essentially a lottery system. The work visas are called H-1B visas. And if you've paid any attention at all to talks surrounding legal immigration here in the US, you have probably heard this term. 20,000 of these visas are set aside for candidates with advanced degrees. So yeah, in some sense, the process does favor candidates with greater education. But other than that, it's just a lottery. It's based primarily on luck, not ability or merit. Sumit also threw in another term, F1 OPT. Remember that from episode 1? That's the technical term for the limited period of work authorization that is offered to immigrant students to supplement their education with practical work experience. Back to the interview now. So you mentioned that you don't think about immigration every day in your life. And yet, immigration does have a way of inserting itself into pretty much every major decision. In fact, even a more mundane decision like what car to buy, right? Do you think there's an element of there being a coping mechanism that because immigration is a is a struggle, you just shut it out and don't think about it because it would weigh you down? Uh, and then, yeah, this is a really good question, and it also helps me clarify what I was trying to say earlier, uh, in that I think immigration is important. It's an important thing for people uh, in the immigrant community to talk about because it plays a role into every decision. That being said, just like, you know, every community has their own problems that are so insidious that at one point you just stop thinking about them. I think that's what immigration is becoming to us. At least that's, what's, that's what ended up happening in my case, probably. Let's take this example. Like, when I was buying this car, sure, like, Pretty much throughout the process, I thought multiple times about the fact that, you know, if I had an H-1B or if I was, if I didn't have any immigration woes, then this would have been a much simpler decision. But, you know, over the years, when I was making the same decision, like for working for a startup, I thought about this many times, but probably not as much as I would have maybe a few years ago. Like if I was making the same decision of working for a startup or working for a bigger company at the same time as I was buying the car. I think I would not have been able to make the leap just because this would have been a concern that played, you know, much more loudly in my mind. I want to focus on the small part, which I think is very important, that there's not as much conversation around immigration with immigrants. 
I want to ask you, do you feel like your struggle is sufficiently acknowledged? I would say that there is not sufficient acknowledgement. Like at some stages, sure. Uh, I've seen people who are cognizant of, uh, you know, problems that immigrants face on a daily basis. But is there enough action on those topics? Nope. I don't think so. You're about to hear the sound of a slamming door. Courtesy Sumit's hurried neighbor. I apologize for that. Like this, for example, just take the example of everybody right now, especially in the tech community, uh, whether they are immigrants or not, know about the H4EAD stuff that's going on. Like there are so many immigrants who, you know, who have their partners uh, who thanks to this H4EAD program are able to, you know, seek employment and contribute back to the economy at the same time contributing to their household. A quick note on the H4EAD program. Until President Obama brought in a temporary fix to this problem, the dependent spouses of H-1B visa holders could not work in the U.S. till they received their permanent residency, a.k.a. the green card. The inability of spouses to work and earn, as you can imagine, drastically limited the potential of dependent spouses to have incomes and careers, significantly throttling the earning potential for Indian and Chinese families in particular. Why specifically Indian and Chinese-born immigrants? Because immigrants born in India and China, thanks to backlogs, face wait times that run into decades and that are significantly longer than immigrants born in other countries awaiting their green cards. We touched upon this in some detail as part of episode 1-2. The H4EAD program by President Obama let these dependent spouses work if they had already filed for permanent residency and were waiting in the decades-long line to be processed. And this program is on the chopping block with the current administration's policies. And everybody knows about it, but nobody talks enough about it. And there's not enough action. Like, there's a good chance this, this might still go away. And I think things like these are absurd. But this again plays a little bit with what I was saying earlier, that I don't think I'm the only one who faces this problem. Like, this lack of acknowledgement and this lack of action is just becoming more and more systemic. Like People are just getting used to it and being like, what difference does it make? And I think that's not good. Would you say there's some value to having these kind of conversation or making a more proactive approach towards having this sort of engagement? I've given, I've not given this a lot of thought, but I think it plays both ways. I I think there are two aspects to problems that relate to immigration. There, There is the cultural aspect. And I don't know how it helps there. And then there's the legal aspect. And I think, I think uh, you know, more communication and more action, even if it is just in the form of, you know, people approaching their congressmen or whatever, even if you're not being represented in the votes. Uh, I, think, I think from a legal perspective, this makes a lot of sense. I don't know uh, how much conversation would help for the more cultural aspects, but that's not that's uh, that's because I haven't thought about the problem as much. Could you elaborate by what you mean by uh, cultural aspects? For for example, uh, coming from a smaller city in India, uh, just settling in for people sometimes is a problem. For example, us as Indians, we come from a place where you know everybody who lives around your house or in your locality, you more often than not know that person and depend on them for things from time to time, right? You just move to this new country and uh, you find out that 
that's that's not really the culture like most more often than not you don't actually know your neighbor at all you know if somebody like take this as an example if somebody were to fall sick you you would not call your neighbor you would call 911 right it's not just because that is the service that is being provided it's also because you don't know the guy that's living next door in addition to that i think there is also the fact that when people move to this country and i don't know if this is true for other cultures but at least in our community you know we kind of follow the same pattern like people who move here are more reluctant more reluctant to help the new folks who are moving in here and we see this right from you know when you've uh, moved to college to when you have a new colleague uh, that has joined at work who's from a different country this reluctant this reluctance to help folks who might be having a similar fresh off the boat experience for lack, lack, of, lack of a better term is what i meant by you know the cultural aspects i don't think there's enough conversation i don't know how much it helps maybe it does but i haven't thought much about it so you seem to believe that at least in the tech community there's some acknowledgement of the immigrant struggle so let me shift the conversation to people who are not immigrants people who are american citizens whether you know by birth or naturalized how much acknowledgement of the immigrant struggle today you know because context really matters the immigrant struggle of two decades back is quite different from the immigrant struggle today how much acknowledgement do you think exists within non immigrants i think the immigrant problem in a state like california especially you know the bay area or even socal i i think there is a lot of acknowledgement not in affection that that part is still maintained but there is definitely enough acknowledgement uh that does not definitely reflect in like that's that's i don't feel that's true for people that i interact with who don't actually live here like for instance if i am even in oregon which is mostly a democrat state uh and i'm interacting with random people in a bar while they might appear to be sympathetic or empathetic towards your cause they don't actually care they don't actually understand it so sure i think like it depends from region to region or even from industry to industry depending on uh i think like for example in northern california there's more acknowledgement because you know the tech industry is based out of here and it's mostly immigrants but if you go to oregon this is probably why it's not the cause they don't have enough people who are communicating to them about it uh there's not enough conversation in the media about these things so i think that this depends on where you are like not just geographically but also uh, you know the kind of people you work with your peer group actually i think this is a very interesting view i have not spoken to people in the tech sector uh, especially in california but i personally think that uh, this is actually a testament to the fact that more conversation can lead to greater awareness greater acknowledgement and one would hope that would translate into into some sort of action around these issues so with what immigration constraints have been particularly cumbersome for you so far i think uh, the h1b process it was pretty cumbersome it was it is not something uh, that was fun to deal with it was the anticipation of looking forward to if you you know won the lottery literally won the lottery is is not fun uh you know if you don't win it uh you just wait one more year and i think that's pretty absurd think about this for a moment it's not your ability that dictates if you get this visa or not 
it's it's literally a lottery and you may win it you may not and i think that's pretty insane uh, that's dealing with that was uh, up until the point that i got it dh1b was the biggest immigration challenge it led to many other problems as we just discussed but up until that point that was the problem the new problem is uh, the green card i think like it's just a natural progression that happens once you get the h1b and if even even if you don't know if you want to spend uh, a long part of your life in this country you still end up thinking about applying for the green card because you know you have this n number of years that you need to wait to get it if you are an eb2 or eb3 as most of us are uh, and uh, that's very hard again this is not based on any kind of ability and that blows my mind it's it's based on when you applied for this thing and which country you were born in and uh, how these are criterion for settling a capitalist country blows my mind like a country that touts uh, you know people's ability to execute as the definition of the american dream i i think it's uh, pretty interesting to see how they pick people who the naturalized if you're an immigrant your life is pretty much at the mercy of the relentless ticking clock of immigration deadlines you might need some coffee for this one but i really think it's important to lay it out for you let's pretend you're an international student and you got your masters degree in a stem field in the us right great you now have work authorization for up to 3 years but wait that's broken up into 1 year and then 2 years both of which you separately apply for and approval is by no means guaranteed oh and you better start getting ready to speak to your employer about filing for that intensely competitive work visa the h1b remember that because hey it's a lottery and you only get to file thrice before your student work authorization runs out and yes you could actually file multiple times only to never get picked tough luck you know but let's say you did get lucky though and you did land an h1b work visa you should be all good now right no not really the visa is limited to a maximum period of 6 years and is only allotted in 3 year terms or less requiring renewals want to stay longer than 6 years well then time to convince your employer to file for permanent residency the thing that if you are indian or chinese due to the country wise quotas is going to take decades no exaggeration to get approved unless you qualify to file under an exceptionally highly skilled category called eb1 and that just isn't the case for the average immigrant tired yet here's the real kicker after all these decades of waiting working and paying taxes when you finally do receive your green card that is still not citizenship still can't vote in major elections can't avail of a substantial chunk of social programs despite paying into the system this entire time and yes the green cards themselves have to be periodically renewed i want to tell you i've actually substantially oversimplified this process in this description for the benefit of easier listening suffice it to say the immigration path for indian and chinese immigrants even for highly skilled and highly educated individuals is one that's increasingly fraught with uncertainty crushing stress and a struggle that's just disproportionate to the returns i see that you you mentioned a major immigration challenge that 
really every immigrant uh, especially from indian and chinese origin will face with regard to the long green card wait and of course the h1b lottery affects basically every um, applicant to the h1b irrespective of where uh, the professions they come from and such so let's talk about the more you know minutiae of your daily life um what are some aspects in which immigration you know kind of factors into your everyday life and decisions i i think there's a funny story that uh, i can mention here and uh, i don't like talk about this very often but uh, the way it happened is i didn't go home for like 5 years um, so i came here for grad school sometime in the early 2010s and uh, you know i went back to india once uh, while i was still in grad school and then for the next 5 years i didn't uh for the first 3 years i didn't have an h1b um so i was still you know went from one company to the next one uh where you know i still transferred on f1 opt which is an easier transfer process uh for h1 compared to an h1b but still it's bad because you're still living in anticipation of if you'll have the job the next year or not and once that was done i came to work for the startup and the current administration has a very hardlining policy towards immigrants and uh, you know working for a startup it it's working for a startup and being a brown guy brings with brings with it the stereo stereotype that you're, you you know that uh, you're one of the people that are the reason why people who actually are citizens are not employed and you know you i'm pretty sure you've also heard a lot of horror stories about people who went back and were not able to come back again they had valid you know i797s but when they went for the stamping just didn't work out like most things involving the government the immigration system is quite the numero alphabet soup sumit just mentioned the i797 that's just a fancy government term for an approval letter it basically lets you know that the visa you applied to the uscis for has been approved you probably know i'm oversimplifying a little bit here but this will do for our purposes think of a visa as a key to the door of the united states you need a working key to re-enter the us every time you leave and that working key is a valid us visa this approval letter is the document you take to the us consulate back in your home country and ask them to give you a visa to re-enter the us and yet even with approval notices it's becoming increasingly common for immigrants to be placed on extended processing by us consulates essentially leaving them stuck outside the us for indefinite time periods as you can imagine this is a source of great frustration among immigrants their employers and their families it scared me enough that i didn't uh, go back for a substantial amount of time uh, to the extent that i stopped thinking of home as home and late last year i actually did manage uh, you know i just went home uh, for a couple of months and it was fantastic but yeah like a weird way this affected me was that i didn't go home uh for a substantial amount of time because i wasn't sure if i'd be able to come back to this place uh which is the only place where i know actually how to get work done that's one aspect there there's another small one which is uh of recently i've been toying with this idea of uh maybe buying a small apartment for myself uh but my h1b is up for renewal at the end of this year and uh i've put everything on hold Till, till I know if uh, you know the renewal comes through smoothly or not, and I don't know if you know 
if the if the renewal comes in smoothly i don't know if i'll uh, still be able to go through with the decision of buying property in this country because you never know how things move i have heard a variety of opinions on these hardships that immigration imposes they kind of run the gamut between it being an unfairly harsh burden and on the other side uh, there are people who will say we aren't entitled to a fair shake because this is not our country so when it comes to these burdens that immigration imposes on you or even how you are perceived as uh, a brown guy where do your opinions fall in this in the spectrum you've known me for some time so you know that i don't impose my opinions on others but if i were to just tell you what i feel personally about this i think uh, a country that was found on the principles by people who themselves were immigrants of hard work and just sheer capitalism cannot have such a hardlining policy against people who want to cont- contribute to the economy who want to come here work and live the american dream i i don't sure i understand that there are political agendas that people have but i don't understand how any of what any of us are trying to do goes against uh, the principles that that this country was built on and because of that i take some exception to the fact personally not that i'm doing anything about it i agree to that but i do take exception to the fact that uh, you know immigrants are looked looked upon looked down upon as people who are here stealing jobs that rightfully belong to somebody else no that's not true these jobs are being taken by immigrants because there was not enough skilled labor labor in this country it's not that immigrants who are doing highly skilled jobs get paid less than people who were were probably citizens or you know they get paid equally maybe sometimes more maybe sometimes less sure but it's not this income gap it's the skills gap and it's this call to action that people who are immigrants have um so yeah i don't i don't buy into that what would you tell somebody who is convinced that immigrant jobs come at the cost of american jobs again this goes back to i i try to keep my opinions mostly to myself so maybe i would let them have this opinion maybe i don't know i have uh, uh, when i was a little bit younger <laughs> even a couple of years ago i've had these discussions with people but uh, this this goes pretty much the same way as it does with you know the current political climate in india you can try talking to people but it seems like you know you cannot convince convincing people of your opinion is very hard it's not something i'm looking for if they're open to hear my opinion sure i will tell them what i think which is pretty much exactly what i just told you but uh, if if somebody is going to come and just tell me that you took away my jobs i'd be like okay fine guy gets bad for you <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry i i know this sounds obnoxious but this is how it is like it's their opinion versus mine and everybody is correct in their own books i i don't think it sounds obnoxious but it it really does shine a light on how increasingly difficult it has become to put across a differing opinion in in such a polarized a uh, political climate that's true uh, it's again like this is one of the reasons i think a lot of these uh ideas that common people uh, in the community have i'm not talking about like people that i see on a day to day basis because they know about they even if they're not doing anything about it they at least are aware of the problems that immigrants go through but most of the country the opinions they hold are not because these op- opinions came to them naturally 
they have these opinions because more often than not there is somebody who is driving a political agenda and using this to weaponize uh, their campaign and this is how you know a particular idea spreads somebody tells you that immigrants are taking away jobs and then you know you as an you as a, maybe a skilled worker who is having trouble finding employment finds this empowering voice that confirms to this maybe back of your mind opinion that you had and now you're like if this guy says it it might be right and it makes it so much more easier for you to believe and once there are enough people believing an idea the idea just spreads itself you know this is why it's difficult to change an opinion once people once a critical mass has it which in the case of immigration was i think in this country people have their opinions and they stick by it so do you think there's a fair bit of misinformation in the the story of legal immigrants oh absolutely yeah my understanding is that currently there's two camps of people one the camp that's okay with uh you know legal immigrants coming in skilled workers coming in uh they understand that people are coming contributing to the economy and uh, they're not really taking away the jobs like they're not expressly taking away the jobs that were uh, meant for you know citizens and then there's the other camp where uh people think that immigrant labor is cheap and that skilled immigrant immigrant labor is super easy to find at these cheaper costs and that is why you know companies get them i think that's not true man uh, we know that's not true this right here is a huge sticking point in the legal immigration debate the idea that companies are hiring immigrants with the primary if not only goal of cutting cost and this has fueled a lot of resentment against legal immigrants and i can see why it's a seductive argument maybe the outsourcing of american jobs offshore has inflicted some of these wounds i don't know but this idea that all immigrants are little more than cheap labor for all its emotional appeal just simply doesn't hold water just want to put it out there it's not that this never happens at all but let me walk you through some of the requirements companies hiring legal immigrants are required to meet Remember, these requirements are designed specifically to prevent exploitation of immigrant workers and to ensure a fair competitive environment for American workers. So let's say you're an employer wanting to hire a skilled immigrant worker, right? You are the one that sponsors the work visa for that employee. They're the beneficiary of the application, but you're the one that's filing that petition. And there's a process with the US Labor Department called Labor Condition Application or LCA. which you'd have to go through on behalf of the employee that you want to hire this process requires you to prove that the employee is appropriately qualified for the job through a combination of education skills and experience not just that the company sponsoring the work visa has to prove that the beneficiary of the visa is paid as much or above the wage including benefits being paid to other employees in the company performing similar duties And in case you were wondering, you can't get away with paying your immigrant worker in California what you would pay them in Kansas. The company also has to prove that the employee is being paid a wage that matches the prevailing wage paid for that occupation in that specific geographic area. I hope I've at least somewhat convinced you that this idea that hiring immigrants is just an unregulated wild west of cost cutting is dubious at best. we get paid at par 
with people who are citizens because we are because that's that's just how it works so i mean i don't agree with it so but it is common among immigrants to try really hard to minimize uncertainty in their professional lives because the ability to work in the us directly relates to the ability to stay in the us for an immigrant and in that sense your choice of career in a startup where there's a lot of uncertainty is unconventional what would you say about that choice do you think it adds uncertainty to an already turbulent existence as an immigrant yes the answer the short answer is yes it does in fact uh, add more turbulence uh, you know uh, a few minutes ago we talked about the fact that you know for 5 years i didn't go back home of those 5 years 2 years were spent at the startup like the i'll try to break those 2 years down uh, the first 6 months i thought about going back but you know people around me told me it's not a great idea because you know it's a three person startup at that point and it doesn't look legit on paper <laughs> it's very difficult to prove that you work for a real company and it's not you know your typical it fraud uh, and then you know after a year i was just hesitant myself because things were going so well i was like should i try to mess this up and i can just avoid it just not go home so sure it does add a lot of noise like if i were still working for that bigger company that you know previously employed me would i have gone back i think so i don't know what would have happened but i i'd like to think that i would have gone back that's that's just one way in which it adds noise uh, this was a very conscious decision on my end uh, as your as your uh, southeast asian and uh, south asian listeners might agree to you know this is the kind of decision that causes uh, familial problems because people are like why would you leave a perfectly comfortable job and do something like this but at that point you know i felt i was young enough and i didn't have enough liability like any liabilities so you know if you can take a risk it's this it's this time in life so that's why i did it also i was pretty confident that hillary is going to be president not that uh, it didn't happen uh, and my decisions were already made so you know we i i i uh, did the sort of thing i'm curious what your stance is towards someone who feels stuck in a big tech company and would like to work in a startup and is an immigrant but doesn't because of their immigration constraints do you think you are likely to be empathetic because you are yourself an immigrant or because you took this decision you're likely to say that you know if you want it enough you will make it happen no i don't think i would say that and uh, you know people who are apprehensive uh, of you know taking the plunge into a startup or into even, even let's say a smaller company from say get their current employer which is a google or a microsoft or an apple uh it completely makes sense i don't know if i would have taken the risk if i were to do this today i know we have problems hiring people because you know even at this sub even even at this between 20 to 50 people that's where we are at right now uh and we are post series a and it still is difficult for us to convince people that you should come join us we are stable enough because you know we are still a startup by the book and people have their doubts you know like if i have to leave the country tomorrow if i am kicked out how do you protect me we don't have offices in other countries like these you know the big five do we uh, also don't have a way to protect our employees in most other cases either and that makes it very difficult to hire immigrant workers which make up a majority of the tech workforce so i am very empathetic towards these people i would never you know 
I, and part of that is, you know, if somebody is, if somebody is apprehensive of joining a startup because of this, we should not bully them. We should just be empathetic towards them. Their, their concern is founded in fact. It's, that's how it is. So, do you think when you first made the decision to come to the US, you had all the information you needed to make this decision? Not at all. Not, not at all. Coming to the US for me was, uh, was as, as much a rat race as everything before it was. You know, you're running the rat race. The next step is, you know, coming to the US. So, you do what's needed and you end up here. From that point on, everything changed. Like, I, I think I've not been living the rat race for some time now. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I am. Uh, uh, but yeah, up until that point, like coming to the US was just a blind decision. You just follow the crowd. You think you just take the next best step that you can take. So there was not much thinking about I want to know, given that you are in a relatively less stable uh, professional setup, how much does the worry of having to up and leave factor into your, uh, you know, regular thoughts? Not much. I think, uh, I don't know if this is, so there's a few factors that play into it. Uh, When I, when I was working for this bigger company, my goals were slightly different. My goal was to settle in this country, have a house and just live a chill life. As of now, my goals are a little bit different. Or at least this is what I tell myself. I don't know what the reality is. I think right now I just want to learn as much as I can. This is my prime. And that's why, you know, uh, you know, you work for, you. that's why basically this act of drinking from a fire hose of working at a startup. But uh, yeah, like if tomorrow things were to happen, I don't know what would happen if it really does go down, uh, you know, in a bad way. But uh, if I were to leave, if uh, something bad were to happen, I think I'd be okay. And uh, I don't know if this is happening because I have just numbed myself out completely or if this is because of, uh, you know, or if this is because, you know, I truly believe in the fact that now I'm not chasing the white picket fence and just chasing knowledge or whatever. Knowledge and money, let's just face it, let's just admit it. Uh, I don't know what the reality is, but I don't think it affects me as much right now. That's an interesting distinction that you make that how much of this is calm, calculated, you know, data-driven decision-making and how much of this is, you know, a Hail Mary. It's it's a little hard to tell, isn't it, when you're trying to cope with so much? I agree with you. I think uh, if, if, uh, if we're being brutally honest, I think at the end of the day, you're just trying to make hay wherever the sun shines. It's not when it shines, it's wherever it shines. You just... It's, it's not a level playing field. There will be people who tell you otherwise. And I think they're not completely wrong either. Say, for instance, uh, if you have entrepreneurial dreams in this country. Uh, I was recently in India, as I just mentioned. Uh, and I wasn't sure if I'd be able to make it back right up to the point that I gave my visa interview. So I was looking at, you know, the opportunities to do something in India. And it was much more easier to have access to capital, the logistical parts of things. If you have a good idea and if you have a good team, it was likely that uh, you'd be able to t- make the right steps as long as you know, you, you're the kind of person who likes to take action. In the US, I think it's a little bit harder because as an immigrant, if you have entrepreneurial dreams, you have to figure out the immigrant puzzle before you figure out anything else. That actually kind of comes full circle into what the role of immigration is 
in life in this one conversation alone we've gone all the way from you know buying an apartment and you know getting a car all the way up to your career and we started off with saying that although we don't think about immigration on a daily basis i think we've kind of illustrated that whether you think about it or not whether you block it all out or not the impact of immigration in an immigrant's life is just ubiquitous isn't it absolutely like uh there's no way you can it plays into every decision you make if you actively think about it or not is a completely different story but uh it definitely plays into every 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 major decision and most minor decisions that you end up making on a day to day basis do you ever feel like you just don't want any part of this anymore whatever just leave yes uh i don't know if i actually believe in it but it ties back to the fact that you know working at a startup you have to be okay with that uh otherwise you know you're just living in fear on a day to day basis that's why i was saying earlier that maybe there is a chance there's a tiny chance that you know me and many others like me are fooling my fooling all of you know our individual selves into believing that we are chasing the dream but uh you know a part of convincing yourself of this idea is to just be okay with whatever is going on to numb yourself a little bit to these things that actually do affect you on a daily basis you know you alluded to there being a rat race there being kind of this expectation uh, however insidious um, and subtle that may be that the next step to professional growth is to move abroad and how many people do you think are still thinking about the us in those terms that that's the next thing to do in india i think plenty i have i think sure over the past two or three years uh, the the amount of uh, apprehension that people have in india has definitely gone up but you know people still look at it as the next thing to do like they still want to just get out of school go to the us because I don't know if this is because of career I don't know if it was ever because you know people wanted to make a career I think it's just what bollywood does to you like this is the country to be in this is where everybody ends up uh but yes I don't think I think the apprehension has gone up but I don't think the amount of interest that people have in coming to the US as part of the rat race which means that people were out of school recently over the past 2 3 years like I don't think there's any change in that people are still giving the GREs people are still applying like crazy So it sounds to me like you're saying that their decisions aren't really based on a sound understanding of the ground reality here with regard to immigration. Yes, and this goes this ties back to uh, the fact that as immigrants at least I don't I, we don't do enough to help these people make the right decision. Sure, you'd probably do it for your siblings or your you know immediate family, but would you be willing to you know speak out on a forum on even an internet-based forum or a podcast like this? about the kind of struggles that an incoming student might face about you know uh, i don't know if this is true because you know i have been out of the interview loop for quite some time at this point but if employers are apprehensive towards hiring immigrants at this point because of the hardlining immigration policy that the administration has i don't think we speak enough about any of that and this ties back to the cultural aspect so maybe i would revise my answer that i had before maybe people do need to talk about this. the reason why people are apprehensive but still just apply uh, as part of you know a blind processes because they don't have enough information now 
they're operating off of a dream they're not operating off of you know facts i have another 2 minutes or so that we can spend here and i want to give you those 2 minutes to tell me the good parts of your life as an immigrant what keeps you here what is that stuff that you feel like will be a big loss if you were to leave i've never worked in india um i came here right after school uh i was also here for some time in school as i mentioned earlier uh as an undergrad i was here for 6 months uh so i was chasing a bit of knowledge at that point maybe i was blindly idealistic i don't know what was going on but that played into my decision making process uh when i was uh, applying for masters i think i'm still chasing that i think that's what keeps me here uh i've chased money in the past uh it worked fairly well but it's a very unsatisfying you know process to chase money at one point uh at one point there's not enough motivation to do anything i think i think this might be very specialized to what i do and uh, the kind of industry that i am in which is just uh, cutting edge uh, software development like san francisco startups uh but i think there is still so much scope for me to learn and to contribute and i get to do that on a daily basis things that i do still they didn't have an impact when i was working for a bigger company but right now everything i do has an immediate impact it can be extremely negative or it can be positive and that's what's driving that's what keeps me here the hopes that this is helping me develop as an individual who might one day be able to contribute to society by myself maybe be an entrepreneur myself I don't know what the final dream is. I don't, you know, think that far ahead into the future. But uh, yeah, that's what keeps me here. It's uh, the hustle keeps me here, I guess. You know what I love about Sumit? His sense of humor about some of what he's gone through. I mean, the guy laughed when he talked about not having been able to visit home, and he was right to be worried. Realistically. You can't convince the folks over at the embassy that a three-person startup is legit. I mean, come on. But you know what I hate? I hate that we are subjecting well-educated, capable people who quite literally are pushing the boundaries of technology forward to a process that is so unnecessarily burdensome that they have to resort to morbid humor to get through it. I'm the serious type, I'll admit. I don't think I'd ever be able to laugh off something like this. But frankly, if you're going to survive immigration, you're going to need to shrug off a lot. Particularly if you're Indian or Chinese born and spend oh, the better part of your adult life in this system. This is what inspired this podcast, the conversations, the things you'd never really say about immigration. And if you think immigration is thorny for tech workers, what do non-STEM workers go through? That's next time on Be the Week.